What's up, guys? It's Miki, and welcome back to another episode of Blank Canvas. Um, this is going to be a little different. I planned on releasing a previously recorded episode. It would have been new to you guys, but it was already recorded, and I have been having this feeling in my spirit and in my soul that I needed to take you guys on this journey and I don't even know if I need to take you guys maybe I just needed to record and go on this journey because it's not like I'm doing you guys a favor this probably is doing more for me than it is for you guys but I've um always been pretty print transparent about where I am in my life my feelings and my emotions and the different things that I may feel and experience so this will be no different I don't really know where this is going to go I've already prayed as Holy Spirit to activate um, but this would be a pretty raw episode so I just want to go ahead and say at the beginning I don't know where this will go I don't know where we're going to end I don't exactly know what the theme will be for this but because I, I'm pretty blunt um, and I can say some things that can be pretty triggering. I want to go ahead and give my BK fam a heads up at the beginning of the episode that just beware, just in case I say something that may trigger negative emotions in you or remind you of a traumatizing time. That's never my goal with these episodes. My goal is to help you guys feel seen, heard, understood, and most importantly, just like not alone like know that okay other people have felt this maybe they made it through or she feels this she feels alone i know somebody else in my life that can relate to this let me make sure they don't feel alone so yeah let's uh let's jump into it i really don't know where to begin you guys heard last week you heard me do a really vulnerable episode i was just talking about a moment where an educator in grade school made me feel good because for a long time, I haven't accomplished anything that would make people be proud of me, especially for me being in my 20s. You really only get like job well done if you get like your big girl job and you move into your house or your condo or your own apartment or you're starting a family. And even that's a debate these days. I saw something the um, the other day that said, Having a baby used to be a beautiful time, and now people make it such a negative thing. No matter what age you are, it's how can you afford this kid, or you had this kid so young, and nobody just compliments the mother anymore and compliments the father and the family in general and say congratulations on your blessing and your little bundle of joy, and congratulations to you guys building uh, a family. Nobody really says that anymore. And I thought about it. And when I think about people around me who've had that experience, most of the time they get reactions of what the fuck, how did you get in this position or not again, or how are you going to afford? It's like everything that the girl said, we have turned having babies into such a negative thing. Now I know why I have a pause. Sorry, if you guys hear that, I think that's the trash people in our trash. Shout out to the people who come pick up our trash because respect the people who do the jobs that none of us would want to do. And that's just a fact. So shout out to 
all those people. And of course, the air wants to come on mid-recording. All right, sorry guys about that. I had to go um, get to a spot where you guys couldn't hear the air. So now that we got that fixed, what was I even talking about? Um, I think I was talking about people look at babies in a negative connotation. And you guys know my stance on having kids. I really don't want them, but I have my very specific reasons for wanting them. I don't think I'm one of those women that don't want kids just because I don't want kids. If anybody knows um, Jeannie Mai, she was very hellbent on not having children. She met the right man. Her life changed and she was open to it. And now they have a beautiful baby girl. She has a very, if anybody is struggling with whether you want children and going through different reasons of do I want them or do I not, I highly encourage you guys to go check out her video. If I remember, I'll link that video so it'll be easy to find because that video helped me kind of go down the path of why, what was my reasoning for not wanting them. And I want to preface this by saying I hate when people, but it's usually mostly women coming after other women for not wanting kids. I hate when they're like, you'll change your mind. You'll get over it. Or this is just a phase. It's not just a phase for everybody. They don't have to. There's really nothing about pregnancy, especially people who have rough ones that screams, this is worth it to me. The fact that you go through like really a little over nine, we say nine, but we obviously know it's stretched out a little past nine and nine months of that, of not having your body, of not being able to do things that you like, of watching your body morph and change and dealing with all these hormones. And it's like this child that's growing inside of you is crushing you. And then you look at the person who you had the child with and you're like, you're still fine. You're still normal. You're still balanced out. And I'm the one that's changing. It took two of us, but I'm the one that's changing. Even if you make the decision to terminate a pregnancy, it's like it took two of us, but I am the one that's having to go through this kind of thing. And it's not to say that it doesn't affect men because I don't want it. I don't want to make it seem like it doesn't affect men. I feel like it can. Like even pregnancy, they talk about dads having postpartum. And I think that's something that should be looked into and really taken seriously because it. I feel like it is a weird experience for them. They stay normal and some of them are, you know, pretty disconnected because they can't feel the baby grow and everything. And then you pop out this thing that you have, it's possible that you are connected to because just because you grow, it doesn't even mean you feel a connection. I've heard so many stories from women who say, even when the baby was born and in my arms, I didn't feel a connection. It, like it took a minute for it to click. And for some women, it never does. And I think that's fair and valid in their their reasonings and their feelings should not be judged just like men who suffer with postpartum that they're looking into now i think that should be taken seriously because imagine it being the other way around imagine we were the ones who didn't have anything grow inside of us who didn't like our body or our our bodies are forcing us to this realization of shit is changing just off of our bodies alone or just the way we feel with our hormones alone and they're still fine. And then we pop out this kid and pass it to them. And we're like, oh, there you go. Do you feel like a dad? But there's also a, poly a strong possibility that she never will. And for whatever reason, she doesn't want to have them. They should all be respected because I know too many people who have children. And then I'm just going to say the shit that people think, but you know, you're not supposed to say people don't want to, most parents don't want to be around their kids all day, every day. Even if you plan for them, even if you love them to death, you don't want to be around them all day, every day. They annoy you. Children are annoying. 
but I feel like people are annoying. Children are annoying. It just is what it is. It doesn't mean you don't love your child. It's just, it can get annoying. It's also unfortunate to have to reroute your life. Now I have to try to find a job that fits around your schedule, or I have to find other people that can fit in to your schedule while I still try to keep a roof over your head and everything. And that's, it's just a lot. Now I can't just get up and go. Now I have to consider you or I have to consider what would my day be like or who can keep you so I can have some time to myself. Like it's a lot. I don't know why everybody at like it's just joyous when a child gets sick, when you are blessed with a child. But what if that child has special needs or something? Nobody's willingly signing up and is like, give me a child that has special needs. Nobody's signing up for that. And I hate to say it, but if a lot of us knew up front, which I know that you can do different genetic testing and stuff, but sometimes it's too late. And even that stuff is expensive. If a lot of us knew up front, we may not want the child. Yes, there are some people who will want the child regardless. Thank you. Shout out to y'all. But there are also people who wouldn't want the child had they known what having this child would bring. Dare I say there are some people who wouldn't want the child had they known it would destroy their relationship kind of thing. Um, For the people who have children, they're like, well, we were good until the kids kind of stuff. There are some people who may regret having their children just for that. They may be like, I love my man, but had I known that having this child was going to separate me from my man, I wouldn't want it. And I think that that sounds messed up to a lot of people, but that's just like the harsh reality and stuff that people have to think about. I think about real deal things like that. And I also think it's important who you have kids with. And I always say how it takes the village to do this and it does. And it's just a lot. Anyways, I say that all to say, I'm going to link the Jenny Mai video because you guys know my stance on having kids and not wanting them. I watched this video when it originally first came out. And I remember being shocked, like Jeannie, like Jeannie was hell bent. Like what made her change her mind? And when she shared her story, I, I understood completely what it was. Like she never really felt safe with a partner and she never really self, felt safe in life. And then it was the whole, can I keep this child safe? Like look at the trauma I went through. Can I keep this child safe? And y'all know that's a big thing for me. I went through a lot of trauma. And I'm like, okay, well, the best way for me to protect my baby is to not have a baby. I don't want to bring it into a world. This world is messed up enough. And then my family dynamics are messed up enough. And then who knows what the child's family dynamics are like. So imagine double whammy of like my family. And then what if their family's messed up? Like, I think about all that. I think about the child not asking to be here. And then I bring it up into this messed up world where I'm black. It's going to be black. So even if I have a baby with a man who isn't black. My child will be black. It's going to have black in it. And that's all America's going to see. Just to even think about having children, to even bring them into a world like that, I, it's, it's just a lot. But something that I haven't shared with anybody, like no one in my life knows this. God told me last year, he said, start praying for your future children. And I was like, I ain't having them. So I ain't got to pray for them. I can pray for the other kiddos. I can pray for other children in my life. I can pray for my friend's children. And he kept saying, pray for your future children. So I said, okay, whatever. You're getting on my nerves. Like that's literally how I'm talking to God. Like, okay, you're getting on my nerves. I'm going to pray just so you can stop telling me to pray for my future children. Because at this point, I'm still pretty hell bent on I'm not having kids. And I think the unfortunate thing is... God has granted me a level of patience, grace, and just empathy for children that I know for a fact I don't have for adults. 
Like I need to transfer some of the empathy that I have for kids to adults. Cause by the time we get to adulthood, I'd be so fed up. <laughs> I'd be fed up like, and I'm extra protective over the babies in a different way than I am. And I don't, I don't just mean our babies. I mean like children in general versus it's definitely a difference when it comes to adults. It's like, I'll be protective over adults, especially if you're my people, or especially if I'm just like, you're just an asshole bothering somebody who's like not bothering you. I'll be protective. But there is a lack of, sometimes I have a lack of empathy and grace when it comes to adults that I have to work on. That naturally comes from me when it comes to children, no matter whether I know them or not kind of thing. Like the kids in cages flamed me up flamed me up. Those weren't even my babies. I didn't even know those people. The school shootings that we have broke my heart. These are the future and you have just stolen their futures and ours. You've just changed it. Like who knows if that was the next president? Who knows if that was the next inventor of something? Who knows if that was just the next great mother or father that needed to break a generational cycle of, oh, they were going to have a, a marriage that glorified God. It didn't mean like literally being on a platform or making millions of dollars, but they just changed the trajectory of the way marriages were going in their family. Like, what if it was that? You took that away. Stuff like that definitely bothers me. But you told me to pray for my future children. And I had, I'd started. I don't do it daily. I don't, I can't even say I do it monthly. And honestly, I haven't been doing it consistently. So he's probably disappointed in me with that too. Like I haven't been doing it. Like, I feel like since he's told me, he told me last year, and I feel like since he's told me, I haven't even made it to five times on one hand about praying for my future kids because there's such a big part of me that's so hell-bent on not having them. As I get older and my biological clock ticks, I know that the later I wait, the more at risk I am. But with the way my life is going, I feel like I'm going to be one of those older moms. Because if I am a mom, I, I'm open to having babies. But it's still more of a no just because I'm not having kids just to have kids. I want the right partner. And knowing that you can think you have the right partner and they can change up on you is so scary because that's so common. No matter what race you are, that's common. Like you think you have it all together and then they change during your pregnancy or they change after the baby is born. And you're like, oh God, no. And then there are some people you can see before you even have kids with them. And you're like, you're shitty with the other ones. I know you're going to be shitty with ours. Yeah, no. So oh, I think about all that and... I don't know. I still have heavy, heavy, heavy hesitations when it comes to having babies. Something else that I was also, okay. So that was that Monday night I went to sleep during my sleep. This is going to sound really weird and I don't really know how to properly describe it. So I'm going to try the best to my ability, but I went to sleep and, and this has happened to me before. I went to sleep and in my sleep, I know I'm still asleep. Like I know I'm still in a deep sleep, but I could feel myself crying. Like I could feel my soul crying. Like, you know how people cry when they're awake and it's like, boo hoo hoo. I could feel that in my soul. And I feel like sometimes I cry in my sleep. Like it's not like a, if you walk in the room, I'm still asleep, but I can vividly feel my, not just like my body, like, 
it's deeper than my body. I can vividly feel the spirit inside of me crying out. And that's like the best way I can describe it. And it's mourning and it's lamenting and it's just grieving everything that I don't grieve in the waking life. It's almost like my body is like, this is the only time we can release is when you're asleep because you either won't let it happen when you're awake or you can't let it happen because people will start to look at you like, girl, do you know what I got going on? I should be crying. Why are you crying? You know, it's always that let's compare pain. Let's compare depression. Let's compare suffering. That's the that's the thing right there. Let's compare suffering. And I have to remind people that everybody handles everything at their own level. What you say, this is nothing to you, may be a really big deal to somebody else. The same way what I may say is nothing to me, may be a really big deal to somebody else. And so I try to keep that in mind when it comes to people, even the adults, because people are quick to come. Like, this isn't a war. This isn't a competition on who's suffering more. I hate the fact that either one of us is suffering, but it shouldn't be a competition. There is a lack of empathy and just understanding when it comes to, but my my soul cried out and I felt it. And I woke up and I just immediately was like, okay, I felt it. I felt like I had a good cry. Like I woke up, my eyes were dry, but I promise you guys, I could feel the sadness in my sleep. I'm like, okay, whatever, fast forward. This is Tuesday. I had a friend check on me Monday. This is Tuesday. You the the episode that released last week, if I'm not here, also released that Monday. So they checked on me the exact same day. So that's Monday. My soul is literally crying in my sleep that Tuesday night. I mean that Monday night. <laughs> Tuesday I wake up and I'm like, okay, I felt this before. Whatever. I almost kind of like, I know that there's some shit that I need to deal with that I'm avoiding that if I don't, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Or if I don't, I'm going to be crying at the most random thing. And I'm going to think it's like, oh, it's just like a movie that I'm crying about. And it's like, girl, no, this is a cry you need to let out six months ago. But this, finally, we can trick you into making you cry from this one scene. But this this is a six month do cry kind of thing. And so I already know, like, if I don't get it together, I'm going to have one of these moments. Fast forward to how I decided to start Tuesday morning is like, okay, let's get it. I'm going to put on gospel. I'm going to worship. At the time I'm recording this, I'm also doing a fast where I am, I know most people are thinking like, it needs to be food, but food was too easy for me not to eat because depending on where I am in the month, I can, my appetite changes. Also, depending on where I am mentally, I've noticed that I'll eat less too. That's something that I've noticed this year that I don't know if that's been since my childhood and I just never noticed, but something within this past year is I'll eat less if I'm going in a darker place. I'll eat a lot less. Like I don't have an appetite. I don't care to eat. So I was watching out for that as well. And I said, food's too easy, especially if I'm already sad. Food's too easy to avoid. I said, I'll do social media. So I don't get on social media until like 12, which people would think like, that's nothing. Take the day. I feel like social media have me more in the morning than it would in the afternoon because by afternoon I have stuff that I do in the morning and stuff too, but it would be a lot easier for me to be more engulfed and or I would see news on social media that would, you know, kind of start the day, whether it's with the death or it's like this celebrity feud and this and that, or just seeing different things from my peers or whatever. That would be in the forefront of the day. 
And so I'm doing this fast. Maybe that's why he has me sharing this. I don't know. But I'm doing this fast and it's from social media for this week. And I've been extra intentional in my worship time, extra intentional in my Bible time. And just the reason I did the fast is because I felt like it was the quickest way to get clarity. I feel like I've been talking to God and I haven't really heard from him or anything. And it's just, it's really annoying. It's really annoying. It doesn't mean it's not working, but it's annoying. And then I think, am I too distracted with not just social media, but with even my routine where I can't hear you? Am I still enough where I can hear if you have given me an answer? But I was worshiping and then I heard this beautiful song. It's called Heaven. I want to say by Anthony David. He sings this song that I want played at my wedding called Forevermore. And I Love that song. Yes, Anthony David. So I had never heard any song besides Forevermore. And I love that song. So you guys go check it out because I'm going to play it at some point during my wedding. Maybe not when I walk down the aisle, maybe in the reception, but I like love that song. And I heard that voice. I'm like, I know that voice. Like I know the singer's voice. And I look down, I'm like, oh my God, he sings this other song. And it's called Heaven. And I think people said in the comments, it's like a remix of BB and CC Wines or a rendition. I don't know what you call it. But it's called Heaven with Anthony David and Algebra, Algebra Bless It. I hope I said your name right, sweetie. Algebra Bless It. And um, it's a beautiful song, but it was playing and I had never heard it. And it was talking about heaven and it was just like, can't wait to like get back to heaven. So a picture, remember what I said? I released the episode if I wasn't here on Monday. Then I had a friend check on me and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. Then that Tuesday, I heard that song, and then I sent the song to my mom, and then I said, I want this played at my funeral, but I don't want it like a regular funeral. I want it like excited, but everybody doesn't get that kind of joy because it's like, you're ready to die, and I'm like, I'm ready to leave here. (laughs) I'm ready to leave here because I'm not, this body will be dead. I'll be gone from this earth, but it's litty up there, okay? I'm reunited with the one that my soul is craving, right? I'm reunited with the one who created me. I'm reunited with some folks. Like, I'm, it's Liddy. Liddy. I can't wait. So I sent this on to my mom and I told her that I wanted it to be played at my funeral. And then I gave her really specific instructions on what needed to take place if I wasn't here. But what was different this time is I was very matter of fact. Like, I've always been open about death and how it's a part of life. So, like, I've been more comfortable with death in like an eerie, really weird kind of way. Like probably some people would think, girl, you're too comfortable. Like you're not afraid to die. It doesn't mean like put myself in harmful situations, but it's like, God, how I just described, like, I would love to go back and be with Jesus. I can't wait till the day. It's like that. Like now I understand why they'd be like, why are you guys sad? Like they are good. We're the ones who are still suffering down here. Something about it was different. And I knew my mom knew that something about it was different because I had never been that clear in instructions. I would always say, if I'm not here or, you know, if I die before you, da, 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 da. And I would ask other people, if you die before me, what are your preferences? Just so I can know and be able to honor and respect their wishes. Because these conversations aren't had and then people die and then we're like, what are we supposed to do? Or we weren't ready. And had you just asked them, I understand people don't want to talk about death, but had you just asked them, you would kind of know what they want. And so when it comes, because we all just assume that we're going to make it throughout the day. And that's just not true. And we all just assume that we're going to make it to these milestones in life. And that's just not true. 
So I ask these questions to kind of know, and I'll tell others. I usually just tell people, people don't really ask me. I just upfront tell them this is what I want so they'll know. Because again, people are kind of eerie about talking about death. I gave her really specific instructions on what I needed from her, what I needed from my brother, and what I needed from somebody else. And I was like, I need this from y'all if I leave anytime soon. And if I leave before then, so she picks up the phone because it was very, is it, when I tell you it was specific, it was, it was specific. Like you would think, girl, are you, are you, are you finna trying to make this happen yourself kind of specific? And it's like, no, but I was worshiping to that song and I just felt like you needed to know. And she calls me and she's like, you're okay. And I knew how to turn it on. Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Like I sounded normal. And I thought, it's scary how well I know how to hide it at this point. I learned the first time around when I was depressed. Okay, this is what she, this is how she caught me. And then I came on BK and I let everybody know how she caught me, right? And the signs to look out for. So other people in my life know what to look out for. So I'm like, okay, do it better. When they say that people get better at hiding their sadness, that's not a game. You really get better at it. When they say they get better at telling people they're okay when they're not, that's how people don't know. Like people always want to be like, I had no idea. I was around them all the time. It's light work to hide it, especially when you get accustomed to it or especially when you feel like people are starting to figure it out. It's, it, it is light work to hide how sad you are. It's light work to hide how much suffering you're really going through. And then do not be, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Not hyper. What is it? High functioning. Do not be high functioning, dealing with trauma and stuff because you are a pro. You are a pro. Y'all have become a pro. Like real deal spill. I have become a pro at hiding it. And it was kind of scary to me. I was like, these people are never really going to know when I'm having a problem. Cause I know how to hide it that well now. And anytime they asked me, my mouth could not form the words help me. My mouth, cause let's just sit down and think about it. I've talked about this on the podcast. What the hell are people supposed to do to help me? Everybody has their own problems. Everybody's trying to figure it out. We can't even help ourselves. What are they really supposed to do? Like if I really come out and say, mm, I don't know, like I'm hanging on today, but if you ask me tomorrow, I don't know. What are people in my life really supposed to do? Pray for me? Cool. I'm sure they do that anyways. Give me words of encouragement? Cool. Some of them do that anyways without even having to be asked. What else? What else y'all got? I've talked about this before. We don't really have the tools to really help. You know what I mean? We don't. The best thing that they can do is pray, but there's not really that much they can do. And then I've also explained in past episodes that sometimes the best thing that people did in my life was to be a distraction from how much trauma or negativity I was experiencing or the sadness that I felt. And not like an unhealthy distraction, but just to remind me that, oh, life isn't all gloom and doom. Sometimes that was the best thing people could do for me. And so I was having this conversation with God and um, I didn't really know why. I have to be honest, y'all, you know how they say you can feel that some people know when they're about to die. Y'all ever heard that? Some people know when they're about to die. I started having this conversation like, I don't know if this is the devil. Just trying to make me be like, what is the point of living? You know? And again, not to make me, I never had the urge to ever attempt to do it. 
it just started to dip back into I don't really give a fuck about living you know what I mean like I'm not gonna do it myself but I don't care about it kind of thing I was like but I had never given specific instructions this is my first time having a podcast so I've never been able to talk to the BK fam and be like if I'm not here kind of thing like it's never been back to back to back so then I started thinking like is this the devil trying to take over my mind and distract knowing how weak I am right now and it's like almost there so you can be like got her that's all I needed I weighed her down I'm weighing her down I'm weighing her down got her <laughs> then the bible told her don't grow weary and doing good look at her getting tired I was like is it like that or is it God really prepping me it was a different feeling that I had like I remember the first time when I was sad I was like okay I know I'm depressed like I know this is me but for the first time it was a pause is this me do I really have this feeling of like my time may be up here on this earth like I'm not gonna go out and do anything but am I is there a reason that I feel so strongly to let people know now this is what I want to be this specific to be specific enough to let them know that I love them and like y'all got to keep going like even if I'm not here it was a different kind of feeling and so it didn't scare me because again I'm not afraid to die but I started questioning is this me is this the devil or is this that feeling that people talk about where they're like you kind of know it may not be like that for everybody but I've heard too many stories where they'd be like no nah, they knew they started prepping in a way or they started speaking in a way where it's too eerie and then you find out like they die you're like oh shit did they know or oh shit did god know and have them put this out like there's something that i say at the end of the other episode and it's like i'm not gonna do it but who knows if god has put this out like made me put this out like a farewell like okay job well done like i started thinking about all of that and so i know this is kind of all over the place but i'm I want you guys to follow this journey as best as you can because I feel like other people experience this, but a lot of people aren't talking about it versus coming from a loving and compassionate place of, yo, like, I love you. I want you to be the best version. Let's, let's, let's try to get you some help. Let's try to like talk to somebody or can I pray with you kind of thing. Like, you know, when somebody trying to throw it at you like an insult and it's definitely been thrown at me like an insult, but it's cool. I respect it. It's definitely cool. So yeah, I know it's kind of all over the place, but I I just feel like it needs to be out there. It feels like it's kind of like a series, like documenting the journey. Like the episode the week before was if I'm not here and now I'm documenting where I am after recording such a pivotal episode. Usually I bounce back with something encouraging and I'm like, yeah, God like we're gonna be fine we were sad last week we were in sad girl city but this week i'm gonna encourage you guys i'm gonna hype you up yeah but realistically i ain't there i'm not there to hype you guys up i'm not there to say everything's gonna be okay just being fully transparent everybody knows how hard i ride for god doesn't take a rocket scientist to see doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if you listen however i'm at a point in my life right now where everything that i've done feels in vain like I had a childhood I was trying to escape. I had 20s I was trying to escape. I've already said I don't want kids. At this point, I'm like, am I even the type to get married? Like there's a big part of me that wants to, when I get done serving this season, just to run off and isolate from 
every single person, like literally drop off the face of the earth where nobody, not even the people who love me the most can reach me. And that's not fair, but I have that strong urge. I had the thought like, is that on purpose? Because the devil knows that the power of unity and loving on each other and being close, like that's more powerful than being isolated and alone. And when I'm isolated and alone, it's easier for him to attack me or easier for him to weigh me down or easier for him to be like, well, I mean, you know, I've attacked you and weighed you down so much that you're one of the ones I don't even have to worry about anymore. I'm going to go attack people who still believe not even in God, because you can still believe in God and not believe in his purpose for you. You can believe in God and not have that oomph and that will to live, to keep going. And you may be like, I've done my job with you. I don't have to kill you. You're dead while still being alive. I'm good. I'm going to go focus on somebody who still believes that they have potential to live life. I'm going to believe in somebody who still believes in living. I'm going to go after people who still have the motivation to fulfill their purpose. Those are the ones I got to go after now. I've done my job with you. You're good. I don't I don't have to kill you. You don't have to kill yourself. You're dead while being alive. Do you see the lack of income, the lack of resources you have? What is worthy in you that would be dateable? Who would want to who would want to make you a wife? Who would want to get you to bear their children? What is so special about you? You're worthless. You're worthless. I don't have to kill you. I've done my job. I've gotten you to not see you how God created you. I'm good. I've, I've, you're off from your path. I, I don't have to do nothing else. We're good to go. Those are like some of the thoughts that I know are from the enemy because God would never. And in my highest form, I would never say that to myself. But those are the thoughts. Like, who would really want to date you right now? Who would want to marry you? After a while, you're going to lose everybody because they're going to be like, shit, you're still helping out in that way? I can't build a life with that. I can't build a life with you. I know you say God told you to do it, but mm. I know you're trying to be a good team player for the family, but mm. people barely get it now. <laughs> and now I've gotten to you. Where you're even looking at it like, well, what is all of this for? And I say that because I want to be brutally honest about the thoughts that come so people know that they're not alone and to know that I know for a fact that is the enemy. But just because you may know that's the enemy, it does not mean that sometimes those thoughts don't stick and you have to double down on the work to get out of it and um, to do better and be better it takes work to not be um just dragged down and suffocated by it it definitely takes work so i have those thoughts and i was telling god as i was looking back over my life and everything i'm like none of this was worth it me going to college didn't feel worth it me choosing this life didn't feel worth it for the past three years i have watched everybody's life elevate in some kind of way or they've gotten to start new jobs maybe move to new cities, build families. Even if they've had hardship, at some point within these three years, they were happy with how their lives were. For three years, I have been unhappy with how my life has been going. I've just been obedient. What do you do when you're being obedient? And like, there are people who, they maybe not be enjoying their life as much right now, but I have very vivid moments of them being happy at some point. So imagine three years of not being happy. Three years of consistently serving and feeling like all of this is in vain. A lot of this feels in vain. A lot of this feels like, could I have done different had I chosen a different path? Could I have done different if I had made different choices? 
You know what I mean? Like, could my life be different? Like, I'm three years into being obedient to you, God, and I'm still not happy. I feel like I still have nothing to show for it. And maybe some spiritual growth. whoop de fucking do I'm just being for real. Like, of course, of course, I know deep down that the spiritual work and the growth overall is more impactful than anything materialistic or financial. But when you have people looking at you like you're worthless because you can't contribute to certain financial things or, you know, produce material things, spiritual work sounds great and all, and it may give you the capacity to forgive them, but it doesn't make you feel any worthy. It doesn't speak any life into you. It actually feeds the thoughts of the enemy that he was giving. Like, girl, I ain't worried about you. What's the point? You're not even worried about you anymore. I ain't got to. Now, when you believed in yourself and you believed in what God told you, woo, scary. Look at this version of you. What scares me about you? He ain't got to be afraid of me believing in what God's called me to do. Because I even look at this podcast and I'd be like, I'd be talking to God about it. And I'd be like, I'll put it down. If you want me to put it down, I'll put it down. Because even this work feels in vain. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys listen, but I can't always hear how it's helping and how it's impactful. Or is anybody really being blessed by these episodes? Sometimes but not all the time. And I think, why am I doing this? Like everything that God has me doing, why am I doing this? What is the reason? What is the point? And a lot of times I feel like there is none. And nobody talks about the seasons where you feel like everything in life feels meaningless and worthless. And all you're doing is trying to do what God told you to do. But doing what God told me to do, feel like it sent my life to hell and made me feel like shit. So now what? Now you have the debate of do what I want to do because following you, God, seemed like it left let me straight down the path to hell. So do what I want to do and see where life really takes me then or feel like shit for a little bit but still be covered by him. That's the debate. And because of my foundation in my faith right now, I'll be honest, right now I'm still like, yeah, okay. I'd rather be miserable and be covered by you and be obedient than to be out of your will. That's just right now. But I can't lie and say that there's not a big part of me one day that might not be like, fuck it, like this shit ain't worth it. Like it's not worth it whatsoever. And so I'm at a really uh, raw, vulnerable place in my faith. I'm in a really raw, vulnerable place mentally. And there's a big part of me that's just like everything that I've been doing for these three years, just it just feels like it got worse and worse every year. And now I feel like I'm at a a, a, a boiling tipping point of why worry about me? And then why get somebody to worry about you when you ain't even worried about you? Dead among the living. Do we remember that? Like that wasn't just for y'all. That was for me. I had to speak life into myself. Don't be dead among the living. And a lot of times, especially recently, I feel so dead among the living. Like y'all are just living life. Y'all are getting your houses. You are doing your dreams. And I'm proud of you guys. But that version of me feels stuck. I would say dead. It's like I know she's in there because I, I forced her to come out. But a lot of that is, um, I hate that I have to force her to come out when she used to just be. She was just a main part of me and dreaming and having vision and all of that. Nah, not so much, not so much. And PD described something this past Sunday. He said, 
you have to be careful who you're around and who you listen to. Because right now your faith is too fragile to handle the negativity. And I feel like my faith is in such a place that it's too fragile. Then I've also been praying to God, which hints the fast. I've also been praying to God where I'm praying, asking for signs, asking for directions in the silence. I feel like I'm on a time crunch. Like I'm not trying to rush him, but in a sense, I guess I am because I'm like, I'm on a time crunch for answers and I don't know. And then people are looking at me for answers and I'm like, I'm 25 and I feel 65. I feel like I've lived a three different lives before I've even had a family of my own, before I've even had children of my own, before I've even hit my 30s. I feel like I've been in an adult and like a growing child's body. And I'm short, so it stopped, it stopped growing a long time ago. <laughs> but for the longest time, Piers and I, we were talking about summers. And we're like, summers don't hit the same because, you know, we're all working and stuff. You know, like we're out of school, so summers don't hit the same. And I literally laughed and I was like, my summer's been over. My brother was born when I was in high school. I've been helping out since then. He has a very active mother, but I mean, his other parent was the kind of parent that if it wasn't on mom, it was going to fall on everybody else around. And that's what happened. So I'm like, I've been over summers. I was like, my brother was born in high school and then I was in AP classes. So they gave us summer work. There were no breaks. Breaks been over. Like I've been over summer. That's probably another reason I don't like summer. Because like people used to be like, oh my God, so much fun. And I wasn't the family that went on vacation either. So it was like. I was just excited to not have to be at school because I hated school. So summers have always been kind of different for me. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, do you just not want kids because you had to help out with your brother? My desire for not wanting kids started long before that. A lot of that is not feeling safe that I had to discover along the way. A lot of that is not feeling safe. But another big part of that was just the simple fact of I consistently heard my mom say she never got to live life because she had kids. Or she was always raising somebody else's kids. She was parentified in her own kind of way, right? And she always said that. And that was long before my brother was born. So I already have ingrained in my head that children are not blessings. They're more of a burden than they are blessings. They don't seem fun. It doesn't seem enjoyable. People are talking like it holds up your life. It stops your life. This ain't where it's at. Like that is, that is the mentality that I had. And I don't blame her because my grandma, it's not really my place to tell exactly what she said. Like, I feel like that's my mom and her sister's stories. But my grandma said some, sorry, I have to curse, but some really fucked up shit to them that I'm lucky I even had as much kindness as I got from my mom. Like, I'm lucky. When you're raised by people who say some of the things that was said to them, like that changes a person. That's scarring. That's jarring. And then they get children and it's put on them indirectly. Like even if you hadn't seen it yet, at some point it's going to show up, especially if the work hasn't been done to heal. And I mean, people try to the best of their ability. Imagine not having examples and then having to raise children yourself. It's hard. So I give my mom a lot of grace, but at the same time, a lot of the stuff that was done to her eventually showed up in different ways and some of the stuff that I never thought I would see from my mom came hard and heavy in my young adult life and I was like shit this is stuff that she promised she would never say never do never be and this is her mom and I have to give grace and I have to show love but it's my fear in real time I haven't even had babies yet and I'm like I know what I saw. 
I know what I experienced. I know what my mom experienced. And I never met my great grandma, but they said she was mean. They said my great grandma was like mean. Mean to my mom, mean to her sister, only nice to one of the children. So like favoritism favoritism when it comes to children has been running through my family. That's why we see favoritism when it comes to the grandchildren. That's why grandma had favoritism when it came to her children. And so did my granddad. Parentification has been running through my family. It didn't just start with me. And the idea of I don't want kids, not looking at them like blessings, looking at them more like burdens has been running through my family for generations. And I think like, I know the devil be like, if y'all could just get it together, how powerful y'all could be. But it's always like, I want to go in isolation. I want to separate. And I'm going to have this mentality of children being looked at as burdens to run through your generation, to run through your family for generations. I'm going to have favoritism when it comes to children to run for generations. I'm going to have parentification to run for generations. I'm going to attack the mother-daughter bond to run for generations. Because for females, I mean, we need our we need both parents. We need our dads for different things, but we also need our moms for different things too. And if there is a disruption in that connection, it's almost like a disruption inside your inside of you. You're like shit. You're supposed to be relate. You're supposed to relate from woman to woman, but you're definitely supposed to relate because I came out of you. What happens when we butt heads? And it's not to say that every mother daughter relationship is perfect, but I think sometimes families are under attack more than they realize. And they think, oh, it's just my mom or, oh, it's just my daughter. They're just getting on my nerves. And you don't even realize this is a spiritual warfare battle that's been happening for generations that your mom was probably supposed to handle, her mom was probably supposed to handle. And now all of that is just running through our family. Just running through. And what are we supposed to do? Nobody gave us the tools of how to figure it out. So again, it goes back to somebody who didn't have the example trying to figure it out and doing the best that they can. And you're just going to, you're going to mess up along the way. And that's the scary part. I don't want to bring kids into this world to mess them up. The world will do that enough. So I know that was a pretty raw and transparent episode. Jesus. Like that's, that's all I can do. Like even when it comes to praying to God lately, they say that the Holy Spirit knows even the moans and groans and he can communicate to God for me and that's what he's been having to do because all I got is to call out the name Jesus but at the same time I'm fed the fuck up with Jesus so it's like I'm calling out to the person I'm fed up with and it's like I feel like my soul is doing the work like my soul is like we got you we'll carry you there we'll talk to him for you because right now you're a little pissed he knows it and he respects it but it's like who am I gonna trust am I gonna say fuck it even though I know I should be obedient and stay under his edge of protection, or am I going to go the other way? I'm in a full-on crosswords, crosswords right now. And this is a decision that can make me make life decisions that are detrimental and I cannot take back, but it is what it is. I have to be honest. Like, I'm at a fork in the road. Where am I going? What am I going to do? And honestly, if I do choose to go off in the rebellious path, I am going to have to separate from people because I refuse to taint them and bring them down from me self-destructing. I refuse to allow them. I love them. I care for them too much. I care for my people too much to bring them down with me. Like if I'm going to self-destruct, I'm going to be rebellious all on my own. I've already made up my mind in that. It's just that which path am I going to take? I don't know. And maybe I'll feel better 
next week or maybe i'll have my decision so stay tuned in this series and let's see where it takes us right this is a little longer but important and all i can ask is that you guys give me grace love and 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 just respect my journey and this is something that i could keep to myself but i'm choosing to share it because i want other people to know like it's okay to question god it's okay to be like I'm being obedient to you and I'm following you and this shit feels in vain or it feels like my life is getting worse. It's okay to have these feelings because most people have them. They just don't admit it. So I'm going to admit it for all of us. And then I'm so serious. We're really going to see which path I take and what leads me to each decision. But I'm definitely at a fork in the road. So I love you guys. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me. I'm going to edit this down as much as I possibly can to make it as short as possible. Sorry it's so long, but um, it's just, it is what it is. I love you guys. I have no idea what we'll be talking about next time, but I can't wait. See you guys next week. Bye. Blank canvas, blank canvas, blank canvas, blank canvas.